Hey there, and welcome to Silo Busting, an EPAM Continuum podcast. I'm your host, Macy Donaway, and like me, I'm sure you've heard the word cloud almost daily. And no, I'm not talking about the fluffy mass of water drops suspended in the atmosphere, but the delivery of computing services such as databases, software, and analytics over the internet. Yes, that cloud. Cloud technology is driving a big shift for IT organizations and businesses in general, offering faster innovation, flexible resources, and economies of scale. But how to exactly move to the cloud or take full advantage of the cloud isn't easy to get right. And that's true not just for the technology, but for the people who will play a role in the day-to-day IT operations. In today's conversation between Miha Kral, EPAM's VP of Cloud Strategy, and Sandra Lachlan, our Chief Learning Scientist, we hear directly the multidimensional thinking that's needed when making substantive changes to how an organization operates. Their experience and insights will help leaders across enterprises of all sizes better understand the people and technology-driven processes that are necessary to not only tackle business transformation today, but to prepare their organizations for a continuous cycle of change. Tune in now. So, Sandra, everybody these days talks about changes in IT operating model and how cloud is forcing those changes on people in IT organizations. But I would suggest that we first start to talk about the definition, because there are so many different angles and definitions of what IT operating model or cloud operating model is. How would you describe what IT operating model is for a modern enterprise? Uh, That is a little bit tough. You're right. There are so many definitions. I guess the way that I think about an IT operating model is, to me, it's, it's really a mental checklist Um, of all of the things that need to be considered and and addressed when making substantive changes to how your organization operates. So this is, you know, very simply put, people process tools and data, um, but it's it's really, I don't know, it, it gets much more interesting when each one of those buckets is broken down into a bit more detail. But I guess at the very high level, that's what I would say people, process, tools, and data. Yeah, that's very, very similar to the way how I'm typically trying to explain when the discussion with my clients comes to, you know, what do we need to change in our IT operating model? I typically try to explain it to say, well, operating model is the way how you run IT. It's a definition of business of IT inside an enterprise. And I believe that the term was coined back in the outsourcing times when obviously lots and lots of companies wanted to take that business of IT out from the core enterprises and run it for them. And henceforth, the outsourcing wave was born. Probably it's very relevant to have that chat. Why is cloud bringing the discussion about operating model back to the front of all of those executive discussions? Because cloud is not just bringing more and more automation, you know, faster, more optimized processes and better technology, but it is actually bringing IT back in-house. So cloud is almost allowing 
the end of the mercy of uh, system integrators that were outsourcers for all of those IT systems in the past. Now we are claiming that with better tools, with better process and with better trained people, you can run IT as a business back from within the enterprise. Uh, but of course, that brings a couple of concerns. So let's start with people first. Uh, Sandra, when we bring IT back in-house, what does that mean for people that for a decade or two did not truly run IT as a business in-house before? Oh, it's there's so many implications from this. It's it's as you say, right? Like if you were to outsource, if you could outsource all of this and you can outsource a lot of the headaches and a lot of the the really difficult decision making um, and, and the this political capital spend that occurs when you have to start to deal with people um, and their challenges and their issues and their biases and their concerns and their their proclivities and their their motivations, like it's really bringing a lot of the complexity back within organizations. So what, is it, what does it entail? It entails a lot of things. Um, number one is you have to figure out what are the capabilities that you need to have now back within the organization? Um, what are the business capabilities that need to be really kind of um, re-owned, I suppose, by the organization? And what are the individual capabilities that have to drive that? So companies need to identify those, then they have to figure out what are the gaps. So if if it's really critical that we have you know, capability X um, and we don't have anyone or we have very few people in the organization who, who have it, the next question becomes how do we build it if we're going to try to not outsource all of them anymore, but instead build it internally. And, and then you run into a host of, of challenges around um, how do you hire in a scarce talent market, uh, once you have people, how do you uh, keep them happy in in um, in roles that are in, in extraordinary uh, demand and, and where there's a, a lot of uh, turnover? Uh, and then how do you grow people? How do you continually develop these skills? Because cloud and, and everything else is is rapidly changing. You know, what is it that the organization needs to now uh, think about? Like, what are the levers that need to be pulled? in order to to have the right people, keep them happy and keep them growing. It's it's a very complicated challenge. Yeah, to actually give an example here, not that far back when I talked to an organization that is now bringing especially their support functions and operations back in house, a good example would be incident management, right? When they were outsourced, there was a agreed and well-defined and SLA enforced process that said, well, if you get alert such and such, there is going to be somebody that presses this button and starts that run book. And then that's how we very much clear the incident and needs to be done within, I don't know, seven seconds and so on and so on. The problem is that everything that I just told you is a very automatable thing. And it's very clear in this cloud era, if it can be automated, it will be automated. So you'd no longer need to have that wet human robot waiting for the red light and press the green button to start a runbook. 
how are we helping organizations to go from, you know, front of the conveyor belt, blue collar workers to become actual knowledge workers in this new IT operator model? <laughs> Again, really complicated issues, right? So, you know, let's say we have this, this, this person who is now being disrupted by automation. We need to look at, at what they have, what, what are their skills outside of the skills that they applied uh, to perform this now obsolete task. Um, then we need to figure out what are the roles that we have in the organization that actually align to those skills. Um, and third, you know, where are the gaps? And then fourth is how do we fix those? How do we fill those gaps? Um, and, and that's just what the organization needs to consider. On the individual side, the person whose job has been automated, uh, do I want to stay in this career path? Um, if I do, do I really want to you know, spend the time that it's going to take to develop entirely new skill sets? Um, I haven't gone to school in 20 years. Like, what does that mean for me? Um, you know, now I'm also dealing with anxieties around the fact that everything in my, in my entire career that I've been counting on for so long has changed. That needs to be managed. The, the, you know, the, um, supporting organizations and individuals who are automating roles is is a, a really it's, it's a growing industry because it is so complex and because it is um, so critical for organizations to succeed. Uh, but I mean, you know, bottom line is you kind of have to walk through all of those steps, both as an individual and as an organization to to decide the path forward. Uh, you know, this is something that I see working with my clients all the time. I'm, I'm really curious um, on your perspective, like what what have you seen that has been successful and I guess not successful when organizations have attempted to to deal with this challenge? Let, let me start with a not successful first, a very horrifying anti-pattern that we see forming not, not everywhere, but in some of the enterprises. Uh, those new employees, new IT professionals that are hired into the organization, and they are the kind of a you know the Gmail generation that is thriving in innovation and trying to create something new that nobody else did before, versus the employees of the old, right? People that are managing and maintaining legacy systems and prefer very low risk, uh, low change type of the environment. If we are not super careful, the anti-pattern becomes that you congregate the young innovators and call it like the new IT in one corner, and then much more traditionally focused operators of legacy IT systems in the other corner. Cloud kind of supports both, but if we are not very careful in helping clients to design their IT operating model, we get to that bimodal type of IT where there is a abyss between modern, highly dynamic, innovative systems built natively in a cloud. And then on the other extreme, you get, you know, legacy SAP uh, type of the system. People that operate one or the other part should be able to rotate, should be able to mingle between those two environments. Otherwise, people that do only new will do only new, and people that do only old will do only old. It kind of starts to create the anti-pattern that I'm talking about. It creates a 
class-segregated society inside IT organization that you get IT people for the old systems. You know, this is the old IT and here is the new IT and people just do not talk to each other. Kind of creates a two IT organization, which in my view is really not helping business to grow. So you're talking really about kind of this this whole notion of two-speed IT, which is something that people have really touted as being a, a beneficial thing. Kind of what I'm hearing from you is that it's it's it might be easy to think in terms of that dichotomy, but in terms of an actual application in real world practice, it's not a good thing at all. Is that Correct. Correct. Yeah. In a practical term, having somebody that is only trained in legacy and trained and maintained and understand, let's say, SAP infrastructure really, really well, but never thought about the uh, AI ops or uh, DevSec ops best practices of the new world. Those skills of that SAP professional are going to have a very, very short half-life. And we did not help that employee to have a diverse enough and nimble enough skills to actually traverse across IT jobs with a you know, horizontal set of skills that can help build a career. So what do you do with employees once they you get to a sunsetting of a specific technology or specific process if we did not force that rotation to build enough of a capabilities and skills for the new domain as well? Well, I mean, if you've done nothing and you've reached that point, I mean, now you're just in in firefighting mode. Like now, now you're having to deal with all of the fallout um, and, and the implications of that. I guess, you know, of course, what we're trying to help clients do is is not get to that point. It's really to be thinking three to five years ahead, looking down the path and saying, you know, we're going to have these roles that are going to be fully automated or, or we're going to lose the people who have the, the knowledge to, to do them. You know, what is it that we're going to do now to prepare for that time period? And and that's really, I guess, a very interesting question to me because it, it it brings into play all of the different organizational and individual factors and technological factors even that need to be considered. So, you know, while I think it's easy to think in terms of the, the two ends of the spectrum, like, you know, as you said, like really innovative, cutting edge, fully, you know, cloud native versus, you know, old school infrastructure based, like, you know, really um, less creative and 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 more prescribed activities. The fact is that there is a massive gray area in between um, of roles that that need to exist to transition a lot of the kind of more legacy applications um, and 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 ways of working right into this new innovative cloud model. And so, I think it's really important when we're thinking about you know how to move forward first understanding, recognizing that there is this broad continuum, and then looking uh, you know, through that continuum at the roles that exist and, and the relative proportion, I guess I would say, of, of the, the new skills versus the old skills, um, and then looking at the, the people in the organization, their, their existing skills and their uh, motivation, their openness, their orientation toward building some of those new legacy 
I mean, those new innovative skills and, and then really looking to, to match, to match the skills and the roles um, in, in a way that it is meaningful and, and um, I don't I don't say automated, but it's, it's done in a really efficient manner. And I think, you know, stepping back and starting with that recognition, that understanding that it's not one or the other black or white and really focusing on the grays helps mentally, I think, for organizations to say, okay, we have a step that we can take as we're looking down the pike. Um, so you're you're talking about how do we actually help organizations to prepare for that massive change management, not just for the workforce, but obviously technology and processes as well, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and it really has to be proactive. Like we don't want companies to get to the point where it's a done deal and now they have to handle fallout. Like yeah. our, our goal is to help them prepare for that. Think about, if you will, the operating model really around what they're like, all the levers and considerations that need to be um, undertaken now um, to prepare for that and get ahead. To of prepare it. them for the change. Yeah. So when I'm talking, you know, to execs and I'm telling, well, we will need to change those things. We will need to change the technology stack. We'll obviously need to change processes, how you operate and automate as much as we can. And of course, we will need to change both skilling of your people, maybe even composition of the people. Maybe not everyone is going to survive this change. I actually want to ask you the other part, because the other day when I was talking to one executive and they said, Okay, so we go to this massive change that is going to, you know, cloudification and change the IT operating model into a cloud friendly way, new people, new process, new technology. And then we are good right after we are done with all of that. I don't know, it's going to take a year or two years. Then we are good. Then we are changed and fresh and modern. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, no, then you do that again every <laughs> year because the modern environments in the cloud, you get new innovative services literally thrown at us weekly. And then obviously we can adjust the processes to that and we will need to change people again. So how do we prepare those organizations instead of going, oh, we need one gargantual change now and all of our people are going once through that certification process or whatever. And then we are starting to say, no, sir, this is going to become daily occurrence. Yes, this is honestly what you're describing. I, you know, I've heard that as well from clients. It's almost it's almost like they, you know, people don't believe in magic except when it relates to uh, upskilling and, 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 and learning. Right? People just have this idea that if we can just throw content at people or get it done this one time, then everything's done forever. And of course, that's not actually true. It's never true. Um, but it is a mental hurdle that I see over and over and over with organizations. So how to deal with it? I, I think the most most important thing is to kind of hold that mirror up to executives and say, do you really, are you hearing this? Do you really think that that makes sense? And, and, and have them recognize like logically it doesn't, right? When they make that mental shift themselves, you know, in a recognition that the world's not gonna slow down, right? Things are not gonna stop changing, both as it relates to cloud technologies, but also in terms of customer expectations and business environments and black swan events. Like this is just, we are just now in a, in a space where change is, is constant. 
having executive. So how do we measure that success to kind of a go from that know it all to learn it all all the time? There must be a completely new set of success factors and KPIs for people. I, I mean, there is. I, mean, I would say, you know, the, one of the most significant ones that we look at is something called that I call role fit index, right? So if you have a set of skills required for a role and those skills are constantly evolving and changing, right? That's kind of the premise is, you know, to do this job well, the job is not static. The skills have to change. Um you look at what skills, you know, if there are 48 skills required for this role and uh, an employee only has 35 of those, that's a proportional fit. Um, and so as we are assessing kind of an, an ongoing basis, the, 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 the metrics around, you know, does the company have the right skills that they need to, to, to succeed? That's how I'm looking at it. But the core thing then to remember is that every year, at least, at least annually, um, we help clients look at those skills to update them. And then that kind of, that sets the, the gate at the next level. You're constantly moving that gate forward and, and bringing employees with you. Perfect. Um, how about we try to wrap this up with recommendations for our listeners? What would be one or two actionable uh, recommendations from your side what people should do as they embark or prepare to embark to that never-ending continuous change cycle that is ahead of us? I think the, the first thing that I would recommend, the thing that I see happen uh, generally very poorly or not at all within organizations um, is, is twofold. One is, you know, look at, let's say, your cloud strategy, where you're trying to go in the next two to three years, and then making the deliberate and explicit effort to map what are the skills required from individual roles to achieve that strategy. Really like, you know, drawing the link between where you're trying to go and what the people in the organization are going to need to do to help you get there. That's number one. Number two is then recognizing it's going to constantly change, building that governance infrastructure, figuring out you know, the cadence for reviewing those skills, who needs to be engaged, and, and how are those changes in skills going to reverberate through the talent ecosystem? This really kind of the two-part solution that I highly recommend for organizations. I really don't think that they can be successful on a continuous basis without that that step. But I know, I'm again, I'm always a very much a people person. Um, Miha, what do you think? What What is your kind of best tip for, for clients? Well, lots of the clients that I talk to and we go through all of these required changes and obviously I'm much more technologist and nerd and I really look into technology as a, almost like a non-human factor. I personally much more prefer the real operating systems instead of buggy human operating systems that you are expert in. Uh, but one of the things that most of the clients think that they need to do is to kind of uh, individually reinvent that path that will is you know they are so unique in the industry no they are not and we are doing those cloud transformations which include people and processes and technologies for a decade now and it's a relatively known path so my recommendation is typically to proactively start gathering successful stories and see where that 
tremendous transformation, bringing IT in-house, automating it to extreme with the modern technology, reshaping all of the IT processes, bring the right blend of the new people together. All those journeys and best practices already out there for every industry are already out there. There are organizations like ours that already did it many times for others. So instead of kind of a fearing that there is that weird, strange, new, hard journey ahead of a client's is actually well paved. You just need to look for evidences and start learning what that roadmap is going to look like. What I'm trying to say is that it's much easier to have that journey of transformation, people transformation process technology, if you actually have a map, if you have a roadmap, and roadmaps do exist, everyone gets slightly different roadmap at the end of the day, but in a broad strokes, we don't need to reinvent everything from the scratch for each and every of our clients. You know, the, instead of being in panic or fear, how is this going to play out? Uh, it's much easier to have a discussion about the known, well-defined strategy, how to set that ahead. Thank you to Miha and Sandra for a great discussion on organizational transformation driven by cloud technologies. If you're in the beginning of your cloud transformation journey or looking for help to chart the path forward, we're here for you. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. <laughs>